to play in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Turn handle in left side. Finds a little bit of a hole, keeps his leg moving. He's across the 40, midfield, 45, he's on the run winch. 40, pushes the man, 35, look at him go. He's down to 20, 15, he could go. He is going to go. Touchdown, Seahawks. Oh, my word. A 67-yard run. Marshawn Lynch, unbelievable. The beast is alive and well. Wide receivers to either side. Russell takes the snap. He drops back. He's going to throw down the middle. He's got a man. Come on. It has been decided, maybe since the safety in the first quarter. 12, they're bringing the trophy home. Your Seahawks, Super Bowl 48 champion. Yep. Ladies okay. and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, a very warm welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. I hope you're all doing well. I hope you've all been enjoying the uh, the more regular pod- podcast that we've been putting out for the past couple of weeks. We've had a run of some good content coming your way, so I hope you've all been enjoying that. Um, we've got a very special guest joining us tonight. Um, we've hinted at this on social media for the past couple of days, um, and we can't wait to get talking with him. As always, though, I do have Mr. Positive with me himself. Pez, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Good. Getting some uh, getting some good content in, aren't we? Third time this week recording. Doing all right, aren't we? Right. We're, you know, we're getting busy now. It, it's uh, we're not Be- used to being busy at this time of year. Yeah, best one till last as well. It might just be. Um, Josh is in the middle of putting his little girl to bed, um, so he will hopefully be joining us at some point during the episode. Um, but as all of you who have little children, I'm sure you're aware that it's not quite a straightforward process, um, but hopefully he'll be joining us at some point. Um, but we do have a very special guest with us tonight. Um, look, he's a fourth round pick out of the 2012 draft, all time single season touchdown record holder at Utah State with 19, yeah, 19 in a single season, I know. Um, th- this man formed, I would say, one half of probably the most intimidating running back one-two punch the NFL has ever seen. Um, and I'm sure you'll back me up on that. Um, it's, of course, the legendary Robert Turbo Turbin. How are you doing, Turbo? What's up, fellas? I'm doing great. I appreciate you guys having me on the show. I want to give a couple shout outs, man, before we get started. Number one, James, I love the background. You got the Seahawks Stadium right there in the background. Now it's Lumen Field. Used to be C-Link when I was playing. Century Link when I was playing. We had some of the most iconic games in that stadium. Lumen Field now. I'm sure some of the more iconic games are coming up in the future, man. So shout out to you. I want to give a shout out to Josh, who's going to be joining us later, man. I definitely feel what that man is going through right now, trying to put the babies to bed. I got two of them. Well, they're not so much babies anymore. My daughter's 11 and my son is five. But once upon a time, uh, it was uh, it was a it was a tough process getting those. It's still a tough process, actually, to, especially when now that school is out. They're just, you know what I mean? They're just up all night 
have to wake up at two o'clock in the morning just to tell him to go to bed. So I'm feeling you, Josh. Can't wait for you to get up on the uh, get to the show. It's hard. Is it is it harder to put a child to bed or score a fifty yard touchdown to go? Ah, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, yeah, it's definitely harder to put to, put a child to bed. You know, I think I think scoring a fifty yard touchdown <laughs> is, is probably a little bit easier to be honest. There you go, Josh. <laughs> go with. No, no hard feelings, mate. We've all been there. Um, well, I am, but I know Pez has and, and Turbo. But um, look, we're not going to waste any more time. Uh, we're going to get straight into it because um, we know you're a busy man, Turbo. So we're not going to waste any more time with you than we've already got. Um, Pez, do you want to kick things off, mate? Yeah. Um, my question was go- going all the way back to your high school and college days because um, going online, doing a bit of research, and how do you how do you become a player in high school who plays running back and defensive back if i've got that right and you win defensive player of the year and then your first team all league running back and defensive back as a senior we've included with that with being a lead rusher at utah my my question to you was with all them accolades and all all that experience at high school and college, did that help prepare you to be drafted and get into the NFL to make that like big leap up? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, everything from the beginning uh, was all a part of the process and, you know, allowing me to, to eventually become a pro football player. It was my dream, you know, for a long time. Uh, it really became solidified, for lack of a better word, I would say my sophomore year of high school. And I went to a relatively smaller high school. We were a 3A school um, on our team. I think we were, we had maybe 25 or 26 people. And so most of the team had to play both ways. You had to play offense and defense uh, because you wanted your best players out there uh, at all times, you know, you know, there's there, the, you know, you get to the four A's and the five A schools, six A even when you get into Texas. I don't think they have six A in California, but then you get to, you know, you 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 kind of define whether you're an offensive player or defensive player. It's more rare to play on both sides of the football. But when I was growing up, uh, it was actually much more common. Uh, but you know, it, it's it's funny too. My dream, my favorite player of all time is Barry Sanders, and so. I started playing running back at 10 years old. That was my first year ever playing football. I always wanted to be a running back. I wanted to be like Barry Sanders and some of the other greats. Uh, but I did start playing defense when I was in when I got to high school. And, uh, you know, I, I I was pretty good. I actually had more scholarship offers to to play defense in college um, than I did on offense. But because my dream was on on offense and Utah State was was more willing uh, to support that dream and allow me to play running back. One of the reasons why I chose uh, to go there. But none of those successes happened without the coaches, you know, that coached me and the players that I was able to play with. You know, we all in a in a very you know, funny way, we're able to elevate each other's game and, and truly make one another better. Yeah, well, just like doing my, when I was uh, doing my research, it's like 
you did a bit of everything, didn't you? Really, basketball, track and field, for six interceptions yeah. as a defensive back with over a thousand yards. Like, <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> love sports, man. Growing up, I love sports. You know, I I loved. Uh, I was always like, I always felt like I was, uh, you know, fast as a young kid or whatever. Uh, and so, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I love utilizing my, my skill set and speed, but I wasn't always good at sports. I wasn't, I, I you know, I, I didn't just come out in, in from a very young age. Um, I had to kind of, to work, to get better. Like people, I might've been like more athletic than a lot of other kids, but as far as the skill set of playing the actual sport, I didn't have that at first. Like, like I played basketball and I love basketball to death, man. But, you know, like I was one of the kids in elementary school that would get picked last at recess, you know, because my game just I was I just sucked. You know, I just wasn't a good player, you know. And then my cousin, uh, we used to live together when when I was young. And, you know, and he was a grade older than I was. And so he would be there recess. You know, he'd watch me get picked last, you know, and I'd be I'd come home crying and shit. You know what I'm saying? I'm all sad. And so one summer he uh, I said, hey, you know, we didn't have a basketball court in our backyard or anything like that. But we had a roof that were they were boxes. You know, it's like, you know, you could see like the squares. And so we would pick a square and you know, that was the hoop, you know, take a ball and we you know, we shoot it. We try to get it right in the middle of the square. And uh, and so we spent all summer, man, shooting on the square, the roof. And, you know, we would just for hours just dribble because I, I couldn't dribble the ball between my legs. I just couldn't I just couldn't get it, you know, and we spent all summer just working on it. Boom, just back and forth through the legs, walking and all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, the next year I had developed uh, so much skill but the you know the popular kids quote unquote popular I wasn't a popular kid you know in elementary school, they still didn't pick me you know they still would pick me last, uh, but then I busted their ass you know I recessed that day and my cousin was trying to tell him how much better I got, but I tell that story to say that you know I I had to learn you know like hard work and like you know dedication just putting time into a craft uh, to get better at a young age you know this was like. This was like second grade, you know, that I was, you know, committing, you know, summer days in the backyard trying to learn how to dribble, you know, just so next year at recess, I can be good and play with the popular kids. You know what I mean? And so, uh, you know, those those kind of lessons uh, were established, uh, you know, young in my life. I didn't always have the skill set, but I always had the work ethic. If, if there's anything that was able to not only get me to the next level as it pertains to college, getting a scholarship, as it pertains to getting drafted into the NFL and then having an eight-year career, it wasn't always about my natural talent. I had a little bit of that, but it was more about the work ethic that I put behind it. Yeah, because my next question was going to be um, what was your driving force going into high school and college, but you kind of said yeah. it perfectly there. It's kind well, of the, the stats show, you kind of show why the stats are the way they are for me because it's that work ethic. It's yeah. prove everyone wrong. It's You're not going to pick me last again, are you? Kind yeah, of mentality. Yeah. It, it was that. It was. I have other memories as well. The real driving force was my family. And, and I'll get into that in a second, but 
I'll share this story with you as well because it's funny. I was just thinking about this the other day. When I was in high school, we used to have we used to play against this rivalry school, Washington, Washington High School, and uh, it was just we hated each other. I mean, I know I hated them, but it stemmed from pop the Pop Warner days, and so I'll never forget my I don't know what what is maybe my second year in uh, in Pop Warner. Uh, I made the All Star team. I made the All Star team. And the same coaches who coached that Washington high school were the coaches of this all-star team in Pop Warner. Pop Warner's like, you know, Pop Warner's elementary school kid, whatever, junior high. And, um, and, and man, I was, you know, our team, we were a pretty good team. And I was one of the better running backs in the league. You know, in in you know in the, in our Pop Warner League, you know, you, you said the name Robert Turbin, you knew, you know. But these guys, when in the All Star game, they didn't play me until three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Can I swear on here? You can, because <laughs> I get passionate can. and I gotta swear. Oh no, they didn't we play me until the fourth fucking quarter of that All Star game, and. I remember, like, I was like, it was like, you know, I, I was able to score a touchdown or whatever. And it was just one of those things. It was like, I, I just felt like I, it just it just made me feel horrible. Like, I just felt like, you know, you, you, you do that with, you know, not to discredit anybody, but that's what you do with players who aren't good. You play them at the end when the game is over so they can feel good about themselves that they got a chance to be able to play. That wasn't me. That definitely wasn't me. And so, but I remember being really hurt. I cried, you know, after the game. I said, man, anytime I get an opportunity to play against these motherfucking guys, they're going <laughs> to feel me. And they did. And they ended up, this was before even they became the Washington coaches and things like that. So, but they, they became the coaches at Washington. And, uh, and it was just those, those were driving forces, like people just doubting me. But more than anything, more importantly, my family. My dad had four of us. I was the youngest of four. My next oldest sibling was 11 years older than me. And my oldest sister passed away of MS when I was five or six. My older brother uh, was around sometimes. You know, he had to deal with his issues and things like that as an adult. So he was always away. Uh, he was always getting into trouble and things like that. And then my other older sister was born with a really severe form of cerebral palsy. And so she couldn't speak or anything like that. She couldn't move her limbs on her body. She could only move her head side to side like this. And she would laugh, cry or, or, or moan, right. Or whatever. And so, you know, in the beginning, you kind of had to play this guessing game. Like if, 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 if she was crying, if something was going on, if she was making a lot of noise, you had to figure out like, is she hungry? Does she want to lay down? Does she want to be in her chair? Does she want some water? Is her head itching, you know, uh, because she doesn't have the ability to scratch it. Right. Uh, and, and obviously for us, it was, it was a lot easier because, you know, we, her name's Tiffany. So we're, we're, we're Tiffany every day, you know, and my dad was, you know, this blue collar worker. He was a mechanic. You know, he worked for Chevron for 40 years. He worked for this corporation. And 
you know, he just, you know, he, you know, he worked on those big rig trucks that you see driving miles and out, you know, miles and miles, those big 18 wheelers. Every person in the neighborhood needed their car fixed, you know, every family. Member. But, you know, here's this guy. He was a pastor. You know, we grew up going to the same church ever. You know, he, he'd been going there since he was like 20 years old, you know. And uh, and so I just, you know, I just I just sat back and I looked at him as this guy who's getting up at four o'clock in the morning every day. He's coming home at 10 and 11 o'clock every night. I barely even get to see him during the week. But he made sure that he made it to every football game, baseball game, basketball game. Right. He was there for me. And I wanted to be successful for him. I'm looking at the family and it's like my sister didn't have an opportunity. My brother, you know, after he lost our sister, really went through a tough time. Right. He's got mental health issues. My other sister has cerebral palsy. Then there's me, you know, and that was really if there was any driving force for me was that is that I wanted my dad to have something someone of his own that he could be proud of that's uh that's some family like that's some like life story really there that wasn't to be honest i wasn't really expecting you know to hear all that yeah it's it's unbelievable and you can see why that driving force i mean it, it it took you all the way to a super bowl appearance because we can't we can't have you on here and not talk about that super bowl um just what was that day like? And yeah. did you feel sort of as a team and, and maybe as, as a person as well, did you feel somewhat disrespected in in the run-up to that? Because obviously all the, the the main media focus was that, you know, the Broncos offense and Peyton Manning and the Seahawks were had a lot of good players, but sort of the unknown quantity, how good at how good really are they? Um was it did you feel sort of disrespected in the run-up to that and, and how confident were you, were you guys that, you know, you could beat this team? Yeah, we we definitely felt some disrespect. It's it's funny because we felt disrespected as a team, and then a lot of us individually felt disrespected as players. You know, mm. our receivers being called pedestrian. You know, about the Chris Carters of the world, our draft class grading at an F, right? That we just weren't any good and things like that. And so, you know, you got Sherman and some of these guys who were drafted in late rounds that just provided this chip on their on on their shoulders and then as a team nobody thought we were going to be really anything you know uh and uh you know we were certainly out to prove something but you know the super bowl was certainly the most um you know the most memorable of, of all memories that i've had uh in the nfl it's cliche but it's the truth you know nothing tops it uh, New York City was just lit up. I had always fantasized about New York City as a young kid, watching the Home Alone movies and uh, what's the, what's the one with Lindsay with Lindsay Lohan and, and, and when she's like got like a, a twin or something like that. What, oh, the Parent Trap. Uh, yeah, Parent Trap. I know that was yeah, like London, trap. but it kind of looked like New York in in a lot of ways. You know what I'm saying? And so it's just. You know, all the movies and things like that that I saw about New York City, Broadway, and all the lights that were I'm like, man, you know, one day I, I want to go there. And it just so happened that the first time I go to New York City 
were playing in the fucking Super Bowl. Uh, and so it was like uh, it was like this magical experience. It was a dream come true um, and nothing tops that. Yeah, it, it's um, like you say, you can you can see why with what, what you were talking about with your family there and, and that sort of pick last attitude. You can see why that sort of attitude got you there. Is that a is that a stage that you always knew that you were going to reach or was it something that sort of you, you were just hoping to get rather than expecting to or were you always confident that you would get to the bigger stage and, and eventually shine on it? Yeah, you know, obviously when you come into the league, you have dreams. You know, I, I had dreams of being the best running back ever and becoming a Hall of Famer, you know. Uh, and, you know, some some dreams come true. Some of those things are able to uh, happen for you and some don't. You know, of course, I, I dreamt about winning multiple Super Bowls. I wanted to be like Michael Jordan and win like six of them. You know, now Tom Brady has seven and I'm and I'm like, damn, you know, that was supposed to be me. No, but. Uh, but yeah, man, it, 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 when you're, especially that young, when you're that young in your career, you're, you're not even, you don't even understand the magnitude of it really, because you don't understand the shortness of an NFL career and the difficult, the difficultness of, or the difficulty of even getting to that game and not only getting to that game, but just getting in the playoffs period. Mm -hmm. As you grow in your career, you start to meet veteran players. Like a good friend of mine is Frank Gore, who I was fortunate enough to be teammates with in Indianapolis. And he's third all time in rushing. He's one of the best running backs in the history of the league. 16 year career. Never won a Super Bowl. He would trade it all. All the yards, all the accolades, everything. I mean, he literally, I've literally watched him cry in front of me. Because out of all the things he's been able to do great in his career as as a pro football player, he never won a title. There are guys who played 15 years to KO Spikes never even saw the playoffs, never even saw the playoffs before. And so you don't understand that when you're young, like you don't appreciate it as much. But now after eight seasons, a couple years retired, it's like that you, you realize how special that moment really is. Yeah, it's amazing, man. Um Josh, I'm, I'll bring you in now because I, I think is is the baby in bed. You with us? She she is well asleep. Um, she was falling asleep whilst on the bottle, where, and I, I was just counting down time. I was like, "Come on, come on go go quick, quick, quick!" Uh, so then I, I ran feel to your my pain, laptop. Josh, oh, I feel uh, you. Yeah, she she's two and a half, and I've had her all day in nearly thirty degree. I'm not sure that it is in Fahrenheit heat, but it's hot. I'm sat here sweating in my office. It's not nice. Um, I, Thanks for coming on. Uh, pleasure to meet you. Uh, I, my one of my big questions. I asked the same thing around about weight of Lofo when he was on. So you were saying about your your eight years playing. Um, there's got to be one run or one touchdown that you can you can pick out as your favorite. Which one would it be? Wow, that's a that's an amazing question right there. Um, geez, 
Well, I don't, I don't, there's so many plays, you know, that, that there, <laughs> there are, I mean, there, there's, there's so many, uh, that I could, that I could choose from. And you're talking about NFL. If we went to college, there'd be a hell of a lot more. So let's narrow it down to NFL. <laughs> right. Right. You know, when I was with the, uh, when I was with the Colts, this is not, this is not going to be a glamorous play, but. Yeah. Uh, my first year with the Colts, we got a chance to play against the Seahawks in the preseason. And uh, and I think it was like the second or third preseason game. So the starters were playing quite a bit. First quarter on the goal line, you know, there, there, there go. There's my boys on the other side. B-Wags, KJ, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the homies, is, they're on the other side, you know. And uh, I'm getting the ball. And it's, you know, it's, it's mano y mano. It's me against them. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's a one-yard run for a touchdown. But it was like, yeah, it, was, it, was, it wasn't easy. You know, it sounds, you know, one-yard run. It, it sounds super lame, but, like, it was like get hit, boom. Like, it's like second effort, like reach over the goal line. Like, it was, it was inches. Like, you really had to fight. Uh, to get in that end zone because you know we're boys, but it's like what's you know what's up you know is yeah. is <laughs> me you know is me against you right now like you're not getting in and in my mind I am getting in and I was able to get in and uh, that's you know uh, not a, not a big run but one of my favorite one of my favorite runs uh, in the league. You, you've you've kept it. You kept it relevant to the fact that it's a uh, it's Seahawks related, but it's against the Seahawks. As yeah. soon as you said the game, I instantly went. I know what he's going to talk about now. Yeah, there's a there's a nice there's that a big game photo, thinking, right? <laughs> there's a big photo. It's like me with the ball, and and it's just like this big pile of white and blue jerseys. Just you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's, it's 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 it was a dope run. It was dope. Was there good bragging yeah, rights with that it, one? Then I'm guessing. Oh, well, oh, for sure. 100%. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm not much of a shit talker, though, so I just, you know, I just I just say go to the tape. Go look at the tape. Just show them the biceps and just be like, yeah. That's, that, that's it. That's it. Every time you walk past them, just go, what's up? That's it. No, we not. I did, yeah, awesome. Thank you, man. Uh, whilst we're on runs and things like that, um, just wanted to get your opinion on the just drafted Kenneth Walker and how you think he might how do you think he's going to transition into the NFL from Michigan and do you reckon he's going to be able to hit the ground running with the team like you know Pete quite well for your time at Seattle do you reckon be able to get him going straight away yeah no I think I think Kenneth is going to have a great career um and you know one of the things that you know when you see him on tape he's you know he's like he's this big play runner uh, which is awesome, uh, but one of the, one of the things that um, is one of the things that you really have to hone in on as a running back when you transition into the NFL, especially if you're a guy who's used to making big runs, is those type of runs in the NFL aren't going to come as frequently, and so you have to develop this sense of discipline to your game. And what happens with a lot of young running backs who come into the league is they want to take it 80 to the house every time. 
and they missed the opportunity to get two and three, uh, which really is just as effective as breaking one for 80 because what you're doing is you're breaking down the defense similarly to what a boxer would do in the ring when they're going to the body and they're breaking down their opponent. Uh, and so if there's one thing in his game that I think uh, he will develop, needs to develop, but he certainly will, it's not a hard thing to do, develop throughout the course of his career, uh, is that discipline. Taking what the defense gives you, not concerning yourself with trying to be- break those big runs every time. Great, man. Yeah. Do you think, do you see any similarities in his running style to yours? Because you were... I, it, got, it, it speaks for itself. You're a powerful runner. I don't think I need to clear that up. Um, Ken obviously has power, but he's also got that. I mean, he just turns on a dime. He's got ridiculous speed. Um, do you sort of, is, is he a, a sort of jack of all trades, master of none? That might be harsh, but is he sort of someone like that? Or do you just see him sort of like, yeah, like how do your running styles compare to, to the one that you see in Kenneth Walker? Yeah, I think he's I think he's a different runner than I am. I think he's a different runner than I am. Uh he, you know, his center of gravity uh is a little is a little lower than mine was. Uh I think his his lateral, you know, ability uh is probably a little bit more fluent than mine was. Uh so he'll, you know, he he's he's a style of his own. If I had to compare him to anybody that I've played with or been teammates with, it'd probably be somebody like Kristen Michael. Uh, yeah, I think his running style kind of fits more with him, uh, which is why I emphasize the discipline aspect of, you know, running the football, uh, you know, because, you know, see Mike, man, had this, you know, he was so dynamic and he could just do so many different things. Uh, but, you know, he just wanted to break it every single time. And that's not going to happen. It can hurt you a lot, you know, and, and the only person that's been able to do that successfully and become a Hall of Famer, one of the best running backs ever, is Barry Sanders. Mm. You know, he didn't always have the discipline in his running style, right? He just did everything, just whatever he felt, boom. But it, he made it work for him. But, uh, you know, for the most part, you you, you got to be able to take what the defense gives you, uh, understand, you know, the looks, different looks defenses are giving you and be able to take advantage of, of, of them that way. And whilst we're just on... Um, the running styles. Um, I was going to say before when you were just talking about your family life and like your history and what drove you to be successful and want to be successful in the NFL. Um, would you almost say them experiences with your family also created the style you run with? Like the quite like hard head down kind of yeah yeah. 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 Uh, you know, that's a, that's a great question. I think that it, it's a combination of both, you know, what drove me from a family standpoint and, you know, how I was coached. You know, I had great coaches along the way. Uh, I had a fantastic running backs coach at Utah State, Coach Elijah Tuiaki. He's now the defensive coordinator at BYU. Uh, but he, you know, it was it was him because I used to be the type of running back that wanted to take it to the house every play. And so I'd start left, go right, come back left. And before you knew it, I lost eight yards, you know, and he's like, listen, you got to take what the defense is giving you. You know, you got to get downhill. I didn't understand the concept of downhill when I first got to college. 
he instilled that in me. Uh, so it's a combination of both. Just on that, that, that leads in pretty spot on with this next sort of question that I was going to put to you. Um, you created the Running For You Foundation, is that right, Running For You? Um, yep. that For public awareness around cerebral palsy and multiple sclerosis, which is obviously something very close to you. Um, just talk to me a little bit about, obviously, you, you talked a bit about why that, the, the inspirations behind that, but just, you know, this is something I, I wasn't aware that you did that's news to me, but obviously with you clarifying your family situation, that makes sense now. So just, just talk to yeah. me a little bit through that and, 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 and what that does. Yeah, yeah. Like like you said, the, the, the Run A Few Foundation is, you know, to build awareness and support people who have MS and cerebral palsy. Like I mentioned, I had two sisters with those diseases and I named it the Runner For You Foundation because as a running back, um, everything that I did on the football field, when I was running the football, I wasn't just running for myself. You know, I was running for people that I cared about, people that I loved, people that I wanted to support, hence the running for you. Uh, and so uh, it's been a, you know, it's been an organization now that we've had for seven years, eight years, I think. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I love being, being able to have an opportunity to give back to my community. If there's one thing aside from my family that played a huge inspirational role for me was the fact that I wanted to be someone that people could look up to. And uh, I wanted to put myself in a position to give back to those who helped me get to where I got. Awesome, man. It's a, it's a super initiative, so fair play to you. We were sort of talking about what you're doing after the NFL. So uh, when I found out we we're going to be talking to you, I was doing a lot of uh, looking into what you're doing now. And what you have been doing recently and talk to me about fan control fan control football league i know beast mode gave you a call didn't need to come and play for the beasts how how has that been yeah what was your well, experience with it yeah and so i i didn't play this season um there the 2022 season but i did play in 21 and i actually reached out to marshawn oh uh, i wanted an opportunity to play during that time i wanted to still you know find different creative ways to get back into the league really and continue my NFL career. And, you know, I felt that uh, if I could just maybe, maybe film of some sort would, would help that, right. Would help me get an opportunity to, um, you know, for an NFL scout or whatever decision maker to say, Hey, you know, Turbin still looks pretty good. Let's give him an opportunity uh, but it was a good experience, man. You know, I, I, what they're doing with the league, I think, is 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 really great. You know, it's not perfect by any means, but giving fans an opportunity to essentially play a video game with live players and be involved in the drafting and the trading and calling the plays and challenging referee calls and all those sorts of things, I just think it's a, I think it's a very, uh, it's just different, man. It's a very cool dynamic. And uh, I love being a part of it. I'm I'm hoping to still be a part of it in the future, not as a player, but as a broadcaster. Awesome. I I, I come from sort of a rugby background, and I, the initiative of that fan control element for you guys, I think, is is fantastic. Like, like I said, it gives a little bit of input and control to the fans, getting them more invested in it. I, I couldn't imagine it working in any British sport. So that 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 for me, it's it's very interesting. Like, I couldn't imagine it working for rugby. Just you, when you mentioned about 
maybe getting a scout to see if you could get back into the league and see if a team would pick you up. Um, what was it like going back to the Seahawks with Marshawn Lynch in 2019? Yeah. How, yeah, how, how no, was that it? was, um, that was a, that was a pretty surreal moment. That was, uh, you know, it was almost, it almost felt like getting drafted all over again. 2019 was, you know, really from 2017 to 2019 were very just they were just tough years for me. You know, uh, was injured in week six of 17, injured in week six of 18, having to miss the rest of the season. And then, you know, because of the, you know, those injuries, 19, um, there was really, you know, little to no interest in teams wanting to you know, bring me in and, you know, have me on their team as part of their roster, right? Now I have an injury history and, you know, that's something teams have to take into account when deciding how to fill their roster. They also have to take into account that veteran players are going to be more expensive than young players coming out of college and things like that. And so, you know, if a team can save a million dollars, then that's what they're going to do. You know, it may not sound like a lot of money, but, you know, when when you're talking about bottom line and you're talking about salary cap, it's a lot of money, you know. And so um, it was tough, you know, but, uh, you know, I worked hard and stayed at it. And um, I was just blessed to not only have the opportunity to come back in 2019, but to be able to have the relationship with the Seahawks organization as a whole. Uh, it really is what led to that opportunity even presenting itself. So uh, it was dope. It was dope to team up with Marshawn again because him and I hadn't spoken in I don't know how many years it was, uh, you know, since that time. And uh, so it was it was it was great. It was that kind of day of destiny where we all woke up and thought we'd gone back in a time machine, wasn't it? We had, <laughs> we had Chris Carson the, the, the night we went to bed yeah. and we woke up and Marshawn Lynch and Robert Turbin were running the ball for the Seahawks again. That's all for our questions, Rob. So we're going to get to a few quick fire community questions that we've had in. Uh, we're going to start with Jordan Merritt. Um, we touched on him a little bit. Um, how did it feel being drafted alongside your Utah State teammate, Bobby Wagner? And I'm going to add a little bit on the end of that as well. How big of a miss is Bobby going to be to the Seahawks team? Yeah, man, getting drafted with Bobby was was fantastic. Him and I are great friends. He's a brother. Uh, so, you know, being able to play in college and do the things that we did in college together, uh, not not just on the field, but just the effect that we had in the community on our teammates and things like that, how we were able to connect from a leadership standpoint and then being drafted together um, is is fantastic. I remember we did this interview together uh, as rookies. And I said in the interview, sitting right next to him, I said, I expect him to be a Hall of Famer one day. And uh, it's 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 pretty ironic that uh, it's fulfilling as well, that that's exactly the path that he's on right now. So, uh, you know, love that, love that moment and love playing with Bobby. Awesome, man. Um, we've had another little anon- anonymous one in. Um, who was your favorite or sort of favorite slash teammate that you've learned the most from in your career? You touched on Frank Gore. Would that be, yeah, Frank that Gore. be someone? Frank Gore. Frank Gore. Nope. Well, I 100%. Uh, he is the realest person that I ever met in the NFL, the most authentic. Um, and I certainly learned the most from him for sure. Not just on the field, but, you know, even off the field from a, from a, you know, from a front office standpoint, you know, Frank used to talk to everybody, man. You know, Frank talked to everybody. 
And I didn't understand it. Uh, but he was the one that kind of helped me understand the importance of relationships, not just with your teammates, but with everybody in the league, front office, general manager, scouts, you know, player personnel, folks, the equipment managers, those relationships are important. Uh, and so, you know, I, I appreciate him for everything that he taught me. Awesome, man. Um, have you got one, Pez? I've I've got a little one um, just for myself. Uh, my brother, well, my brother mentioned it, so I said I thought I'll I'll put it in there as the last question. Um, he basically just his question was, "What's Robert Turbin up to now? He's not playing football, obviously. You got your foundations. Is there anything else, including them?" Yeah, uh, you know, my main focus in life right now is building my broadcasting career, man, and so that's what I'm passionate about. That's what I love doing. I get to call all the Seahawks games. Uh, I started that last year. I'm doing TV for CBS up here in Northern California. Um, you know, uh, I've got to I've got to deal with Sirius XM, and I'm on there X amount of times a month on NFL Radio, and uh, you know, continuing to you know, I do ESPN Seattle as well, and you know, so just a multitude of different things, radio and TV, that I'm doing right now, and. Uh, just continuing to build that um, as my career. So once Al Michaels has, has finally decided to hang up the uh, the headphones, are you going to take over then? Don't be surprised. <laughs> Don't be surprised if you see me in there. I like That's it. the goal. That's the goal. Fair That's the goal, baby. You've got to have goals. You've got to keep busy. Now you're retired and looking after young kids. You've got to be doing something. Um, we've got one last coming in before we'll wrap it up. Um, what was it like to play at Lumen Field? And is there a favorite memory from Lumen Field? Man, Lumen Field, first of all, the the electricity was just unmatched around the league. Uh, it was just, I mean, it was just no greater, you know, stadium to play in during that time. The atmosphere was just incredible. There were so many classic games, the 49er games. The game against the Green Bay Packers, you know, the onside kick. I mean, so many, so many classics. It, it, it's hard to pick one. But I guess, you know, if I had to, I'd probably I'd probably pick both of the, the, the playoff games against the 49ers. Now, I saw you guys having some back and forth against a 49er fan on Twitter <laughs> the other day. So this one is for him. This one is for him, you know, the, 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 the NFC championship game against the 49ers and the divisional round playoff game against the 49ers as well. You know, uh, both those were some of the most were two of the most electric games that I've been able to be a part of uh, when it was century link. Hey, Turbo, with you in our corner, I don't think you'll be responding to us again, will he? He's not going to, I mean, I'm, I'm no I'm no Robert Turbin. I can handle myself, but with Turbo in our corner, I don't think he's coming back, is he? Um, but Turbo, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, mate. I know you're busy, so we're going to let you shoot off. Um, if you want to just quickly shout out like where we can find you on social media or, or you know, the, obviously, like you say, your foundations, that again, do you want to give another quick mention yeah, to those? Yeah. yeah, absolutely, man. All All of my social media outlets are Robert J. Turbin. Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, even Facebook. That's where I'm at. My YouTube channel is Robert J. Turbin. My Twitch channel is Robert J. Turbin. 
and so, you know, and my podcast is Turbo Talk, you know, so you guys can check that out. We're going to be relaunching that this August. It's going to be pretty cool. Some pretty cool stuff coming down the pipeline, man. So stay tuned. Awesome, man. Well, stay safe, stay well, and uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you soon again. Um, but no, thanks for coming on, mate. Absolutely right, enjoyed man. it. Take care. Take care, mate. Thank you, man.